I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Bin Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be discussing the future of a certain Gabriel Martinelli. Bukayo Saka is the star boy. Martinelli is the superstar, in my opinion. Fantastic, fantastic player who's been in excellent form this season. I talked about him at the start of the campaign as being the guy who was probably going to have his breakthrough year. And I know we're only, what, nine games into the Premier League season, but I think you could argue that Martinelli has announced his arrival on a much greater scale now than ever before. He is on fire. And uh, and the update that we've heard with regards to Martinelli's future that we're going to get into is, of course, a positive one. We're also going to be talking about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the leaked video in which he was heavily critical of Mikel Arteta and his ability to man-manage his personality, uh, his problems with big characters. We'll get into all of that, the fallout from that as well. And we'll be reacting to some of the comments that have been doing the rounds following the Gunners' victory over Liverpool on Sunday. A real statement victory, some people say. A victory that announces Arsenal as title contenders, many people say. But are we that good? We'll get into all of that on today's edition of the podcast. Let me say a few hellos because there are plenty of you with us live as always. Big hello to Richard, um, who uh, has an opinion on the Aubameyang stuff, says this Aubameyang stuff kind of just proves that Arteta was right. But a conversation secretly recorded and released isn't cool. I'm sure the person has probably been trying to bribe Oba for their silence. Clock end. Seb uh, says, afternoon, all Tommy Asu's no-nonsense. Reds love that. Matt joins us from Chicago. Patrick also joins us too. We've got Amira, uh, who is with us also. Kenny joins us from the USA as well. Uh, Zebik is with us. So is Steve. And so is our good friend over in Fort Lauderdale, Craig. Um, welcome, welcome all of you to the program. Big hello to Creambone as well. How you doing, mate? Good to see you in the live chat. Uh, deflected mine too. Uh, look, I've got to cut it off, otherwise, I'll just be saying names uh, for the entirety of the show. All right, Dave, you're the last one. Welcome to the show as well. Okay, look, let's get into it. Let's talk Gabriel Martinelli. I said right at the top of the program that I think this guy has just really taken it up a level. He's gone from being explosive to being explosive when he should be and being much more tactically adept and aware when he should be. Therefore, he's a much more mature and much more complete player in my mind today than he ever has been in the past. Now, from the day Martinelli arrived, we could all see that the guy was incredibly talented. We could all see that the guy had a knack for scoring goals. We could all see that he'd give 10 out of 10 in terms of effort every single game, every single week. There were never any questions about that. Where the questions sometimes came, maybe in Mikel Arteta's mind, hence why he wasn't used as much at the beginning of Arteta's reign. Now, I know he had that injury and the recovery from the injury played a part in his limited game time too. But I think Mikel Arteta always looked at this lad and thought, incredibly talented, incredibly explosive, really energetic, but just needs refining needs sort of tidying up a little bit in terms of his decision making in terms of the the moments in the game where he does go 100 miles per hour 
and in terms of the moments where he needs to be a little bit more calm, a little bit more calculated. If I had one criticism of Martinelli, just one, and, and this is literally me being incredibly harsh, but I thought for the the balance of the conversation, I should come up with at least one. Um, it's that I think that he can make the wrong decisions sometimes. I think that he can sometimes hold on to the ball too much. Now, that's partly, though, why he's so effective, why he's such a good dribbler, why he's such a nightmare for defenders. Because you saw it in the Liverpool game. Look, it didn't matter whether it was Trent Alexander-Arnold or Joe Gomez. Nobody could handle him. Nobody could handle Martinelli when he's at that level, when he's driving towards the penalty area, when he's getting to the byline, when he's committing defenders, when he's going on the outside, coming on the inside. He's got it all. He's a superb footballer. But sometimes I think he does hold on to the ball for a split second too long. Now, on the one hand, as I say, the the, the kind of head down mode and let's just get on with it is, is kind of why he's so effective. But at the same time, there are moments where I think if he just releases the ball a little bit earlier, then he could be uh, the complete footballer. He's on his way there. But let's not forget this guy is just 21 years old. And when you think that Arsenal bought this lad from Brazil, from Ituano, for £6 million. It's it's bonkers, isn't it? £6 million for a player of this level. A player who's shown this much promise at just 21 years old. And the reason we're talking about him today specifically, aside from him having a great game again against Liverpool, is that there's been some speculation, there's been some talk about his future. What is his contract situation? Well, his current contract expires on the 30th of June, 2024. But Arsenal, from what we understand, do hold the option to extend that by a further year. So are we necessarily at panic station point? Probably not. But what's good to see is that it's clear from what Gabriel Martinelli has had to say that Arsenal are looking to be proactive here. Arsenal are looking to tie this boy down. Arsenal are looking to give him not just an extension in terms of the number of years that he'll be with the club, but also to give him a salary that is now reflective of his role within the group. And when you're a squad player and you're in and out of the team, obviously your role is very different to when you are nailed on to start every single week. And that's what Gabby Martinelli is right now. He's been, I think, a little bit fortunate in that Emile Smith-Rowe has, has had injury problems from probably midway through last season and still hasn't got over those and has obviously had that surgery. Hopefully we'll be back soon. But I think he's benefited from that, Gabby Martinelli, because it's given him an opportunity to have a run in the side. But my God, has he taken that opportunity with both hands. So 21 years old, nine Premier League appearances so far this season, four goals and two assists to date, six direct goal contributions in the toughest league in world football in nine appearances. For a 21-year-old, it costs six million pounds. Top, top recruitment. But the reason we're talking about this, as I say, is because there has been that bit of speculation around what his future holds. The same uh, with uh, with Bukayo Saka um, as well. And Martinelli was questioned about his future post the Liverpool game. And he said this, of course, I want to stay. We are talking. Let's see what's going to happen. But I want to stay, of course. So, you know, he's he's telling everybody that, you know, he, he's, he's open to staying, that his priority is Arsenal right now, that he wants to be here, that he's enjoying the ride, that he's enjoying the process, that he's enjoying working under Mikel Arteta. 
and that his priority is, of course, to remain an Arsenal player. And he also confirms that those conversations are happening, which gives you encouragement as a fan that the club are being proactive in this, that the club are trying um, to get these things in place. And and the feeling from what I'm told is that, the you know, that they're positive about this. Both sides are positive that an agreement can be reached. And we're also hearing that that's the same when it comes to Bukayo Saka. So you look at these players, you look at the way they're developing, you look at the way they're moving forward. You look at them two maybe as Liverpool's Mane and Salah. Maybe they could be that for the next four or five years for Arsenal. Who knows? Uh, but it's important, as I say, that the club are proactive in making sure they secure their futures, also protecting us against interest from others, because there will be interest, right? When you've got two top-class players like Saka and Martinelli who are performing at this level, then you're going to naturally have bigger fish lurking around. Clubs that maybe are ahead of us in terms of the Premier League, Manchester City is the standout one in the Premier League, the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, who always want to sign the best players in the world. You look at them and you think, well, what do we do to protect ourselves against that interest? To put yourself in a position whereby if Martinelli does turn around in two years' time and say, look, I grew up, I wanted to play for Real Madrid, it's my dream, as it is for a lot of South American players, then at the very least we can say, okay, you want to go? Well, Real Madrid have to cough up. I'm not saying I want to sell these players. I'm just explaining what the need is or, or, or what the protection is that we afford ourselves by being proactive and by tying these players down to long-term contracts because then we can demand top dollar for them if there is a chance of them moving on. And we've never been good at doing that in the past. So this gives me encouragement that the club from top to bottom is being run in a much more effective and shrewd manner than it ever has been. Let's go over um, to the chat box. There's a there's a couple of uh, comments with regards to Martinelli, so we'll we'll take some of those. Uh, Amira says uh, Arsenal being proactive. That's not the Arsenal I know. Uh, Dave Atkinson says Charles Watts said it's a two year option on Martinelli's contract. As far as I understand it, it's one. I'm not saying that Charles is wrong, um, but I've I've looked it up in a few different places, and they're all saying one. So. Maybe, maybe Charles knows something that I don't. I'm not saying he's wrong for a second. He's fantastic at what he does. But my understanding is that it is a one-year option. If it's two, great, even better. Uh, Des Lynham, um, not the real Des Lynham. Um, no, maybe your name is Des Lynham. I don't actually know, but not the TV presenter Des Lynham. Uh, says, sorry to tell you, Harry, but Martinelli will win a big trophy before Arteta does. I mean, you must be so fun at parties. Like, we, we beat Spurs, you moaned. We beat Liverpool, you moaned. You've always got something to moan about. I, I don't understand fans that almost want to be outraged and disappointed and find things to be unhappy and miserable about when Arsenal are in such a good spot. 24 out of 27 points, sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League, having just beaten Spurs and Liverpool. Two sides that many people had ahead of us in their predictions. And I know it's the home fixtures and I know it's very early in the season still, but just enjoy it. Enjoy it for God's sake. Um, before we move on, uh, Richard says uh, Wenger's Invincibles team versus Arteta's prime team. Who wins? I, I like the fact that we're playing so well that people want to make that comparison, Richard, but I don't think you can at this point. You know, the Invincibles went on to achieve a Premier League title. 
um, you know, were, were incredibly competitive over the duration of a 38-game season. And we're talking about a, a team that's certainly moving in the right direction today, but I don't think you can you can put them in the same calibre as the Invincibles until they go on and achieve a Premier League title at the minimum, um, let alone do it unbeaten. So, yeah, I, I don't think we can we can make that comparison uh, right now. Um, let's see what else we've got. Um, Creambone says, why wouldn't Martinelli not want to sign? Other than Man City, who's more exciting for a young player to play for than this team? It's a great point. And that's why the mood around the club is so important. That's why the overall success of the club is so important. That's why the culture is so important because that plays into it as well. You know, we're we're living in a time where Manchester City are incredibly dominant because they have crazy money to spend and have been able to do that over a long period of time, which has meant they've been able to put in a really good infrastructure. They've brought in probably the best manager, best coach in world football. He's been there for a period of time. He's had time to build. He's had time to grow there. He's had time to put into place an incredibly talented squad. And, you know, that's really difficult to compete with. But outside of that, who else is more exciting than Arsenal right now? Now, I know that Arsenal aren't playing in the Champions League, and that would probably be the one thing I would say that maybe makes Liverpool more appealing at this moment in time. Maybe makes um, Chelsea more appealing at this moment in time. But I think you've got to look at the longer term. And if you're Gabriel Martinelli at 21 years old, you're settled in, you're happy, you're playing well, you're setting the Premier League on fire, you're getting compliments left, right and centre from opposition managers. You are someone that everybody is looking at right now and thinking, wow, the sky's the limit for this guy. And as long as he feels, as long as Saka feels, as long as all of the talented players that we have within our group feel that the club is striving to match their ambitions, then there's no reason to lose these players. If things take a turn for the worst, then that changes. But that's why you then have to protect yourselves with contracts with release clauses, all of that jazz, so that when those moments come, and football is cyclical, they will happen at some point. If you can't fix the issue, if you can't solve the issue, if there is a big disconnect between what Martinelli wants to achieve, what he thinks he should be achieving, the level he thinks he should be playing at, and where Arsenal are at at that point, we can at least, as I already said, demand top dollar and make sure we're protected against that possibility. Artifact says uh, Martinelli's on fire with extra gas to burn. That's how good he's been. Uh, Jimmy Flo, uh, not Martinelli related, but I will uh, quickly address this. Says, uh, hey, Harry, I need your thoughts on something. Do you think that Patino can replace Partey as a number six? I don't see Charlie Patino as a number six. I think I see him more as an eight, maybe more as a 10 um, than anything else. I, I just don't think physically... He's up to the role of a six, if I'm honest. I don't think he's big enough. I don't think he's physical enough. I don't think he's powerful enough. I don't think he eats up the ground in front of him. When I think Charlie Patino, I think technical brilliance. And you need technical brilliance to play as a six, but I think you need other ingredients as well. And I don't think that he has those. So not for me. Um, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I just don't see it. Um, uh, Diane says uh, that, even uh, Diane, is it Diane? I beg your pardon, says um, that he's heard it's a one year option on the Martinelli contract as well. Look, again, I'm not saying that Charles Watts is wrong, it's just the information that, that I had. Um, 
Husky says, I would be shocked if any of our main men openly wanted out. Arsenal is the place to be right now. Uh, Sojo says, I think we all knew Arsenal would be this good, but didn't know it would happen this soon. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe. I certainly didn't think we'd be where we are now um, at this point in the season. But hey, we are and, and, and let's enjoy the ride. Uh, Steve says, Arsenal must be the number one club to sign for in the Premier League at the moment if you're a youngster. That's a really, really key point, right? 15-year-olds coming on in Premier League games, um, you know, is is proof that there is a route at this football club. There is a, a pathway to the first team. If you're a good, promising, talented academy player with the right attitude, with the right values, all of that stuff, if they think you're good enough, you're old enough. And that will give young players all around the globe looking at Arsenal encouragement and belief that if they do make the move here, it's the right place to be. You know, they've a big club like Arsenal, a big grand old club like Arsenal, who have fallen from grace in recent years, haven't been where they want to be, have opted to go down that route to build, to build for the long-term future. And the only way it's sustainable for a club like Arsenal in terms of competing with the very best is to be clever in your recruitment, is to think outside the box, is to build a culture a blueprint that can then be followed for years to come in order to close the gap. Because, yeah, we can spend money. We're a big football club and we have spent money, right? But we've bought a, a certain type of player. We've looked at young players, players who can develop, players who maybe are still a little bit rough around the edges, um, but need, uh, you know, need a bit of refining and, and can get to the point where they're very, very useful with just a little bit of coaching. So the coaching's got to be right. The talent identification's got to be right. The recruitment's got to be right. The culture's got to be right. The environment's got to be right. And if all of that is there, then we're an attractive proposition. And right now, I think we really, really are. Um, Husky also says that these players will know that it's them taking Arsenal back to the Champions League. That means more than just transferring to another club. They can get it without them. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, Matchy says, Harry taking down Charles Watts. I'm not. Uh, he is the king, as you say. You're absolutely right. He says, this is some Game of Thrones stuff. He is the king. He absolutely is, uh, along with a number of other really good uh, journalists who focus on the mighty Arsenal. But not taking anyone down, just just saying that my information, um, based on the research I did, and it, it could be wrong, uh, was that it was a one-year uh, option. So I guess time will tell. Maybe we'll never know. Um Creambone says, Harry, do you think holding on to players like Martinelli and Saka will tempt the likes of Jude Bellingham to think of us next season? Well, I think it helps. I'm not saying that we're going to get Jude Bellingham, right? I really like the player. I'd love to have him at Arsenal. I really, really would. But he's going to cost a hell of a lot of money. Are Arsenal going to be willing to break the bank to that point? Now, I know we've spent collectively a lot of money over the last few years, but we haven't ventured over that £50 million mark since Nicolas Pepe to bring a player into the football club. We seem to be shopping in a slightly lower price bracket than probably what Jude Bellingham's going to be available for. So I'm not hopeful that that's a deal we'll get done. I'm not expecting us to be at the front of the queue. I'm not expecting us to be the ones that land him. But he's a top, top player. And obviously, looking on from Dortmund, from Germany, at Arsenal... And the way they are developing young players, the fact that they're giving youth a chance, the fact that culturally they seem to have it so right right now would definitely 
increase our chances of convincing him that we're going in the right direction. But I think somebody like Jude Bellingham has earned the right now to play Champions League football year in, year out. So a lot of our appeal to players like that is going to be A, down to finances, but B, down to our status as a football club. And getting back in the Champions League is key. It really, really is. Um, <laughs> uh, what have we got here? Clock in Seb says, we'll be fielding seven-year-old wonder kids against Fulham by the start of next season. What an academy. <laughs> Love that. Um, Christopher Chan says, should we go for Locatelli again? I don't know. I was I was really keen on Locatelli when those links were first around and first in circulation because I love Serie A. And, and for me, he's someone who's incredibly talented. Has it worked out as he'd have liked at Juve? Not really. But is that down to him or is that a wider problem with Juve? I think most of it is down to the wider issues at Juventus as a football club. So if the price was right and the opportunity presented itself, then yeah, I'd think about it. I'd consider it. Maybe. But you know, did what happened before um, sort of put Arsenal off in the sense of we did show some interest, but obviously his intention was always to go to Juventus, a bit like Dusan Vlavic as well. Does that then burn a bridge between Arsenal as a prospective buyer and, of course, the player? I don't know. I don't know. Mikel Arteta has always said, hasn't he, I only want players here that want to play for Arsenal. If I have to convince them to come to Arsenal, if I have to convince them of Arsenal's significance as a football club, then... Maybe they're not the right person for us. Interesting. Uh, Sojo says, what about Declan Rice? Uh, this might be a controversial opinion, but I don't rate Declan Rice as anywhere near as much as England fans do. I just don't really see it. I think he's good. I think he's powerful. I think he's strong. I think he's big, dominating. Is he the best passer of the ball? I don't think so. Is he technically all that good? I don't think so. I don't think he has the ability to dictate the tempo of football matches, which is something that's really important when you play at the base of Arsenal's midfield. And um, look, I'm not saying I wouldn't take him. Obviously, I'd take him, right? He's a good enough player for me to want to take him. There's no question about that. But when people are talking about £150 million, £100 million for Declan Rice, I think that is madness. It is madness. And I do not for a second... Um, think that Arsenal should be looking to spend that type of money on a player like Declan Rice. I just don't see it. I really don't. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's take this one from Mohammed, who says, Hi, Harry. When will you do a call-in show? Really looking forward to speaking and participating you, my friend. I know you're busy. Just try it even once a month. Thanks, Mohammed. Listen, we'll, we'll definitely get one uh, in the diary. I, I know it's been a while. Um, we'll definitely get one in the diary soon. For sure. Hope you're well, uh, my friend. Um, Flano says, um, Partey is better than Declan Rice, in my opinion. I think you're right. I agree with that. I really do. And maybe people outside of Arsenal circles would think that that's a bit biased. Maybe that we're being disingenuous. But I think you make a great point. I really do. Uh, Paul Murphy says, question. Who do you think was the better value for money? Martinelli or Nicholas Anelka? It's tough, isn't it? Because... I think Nicholas Anelka cost around about half a million pounds, but that was way back when. That was in, what, 1997? So that was probably about the equivalent of the six or so million pounds that we paid to bring Gabriel Martinelli to the club. Arsenal then sold Nicholas Anelka for big money over, I think it was 23 or so million. 
And Nicholas Anelka is one of those people that I look at and think you could have done, you could have achieved so much more than you did. He had a great career, obviously. But he had some bad advisors. He had some bad people in his corner. And I don't know if you've watched the recent uh, documentary that was made about Nicholas Anelka. You kind of almost feel sorry for him when you watch that. Um, you know, badly advised. Maybe he, he wasn't quite mature enough at the time to make the correct calls and the correct decisions himself. But anyway, um, water under the bridge. But I think if if Martinelli continues on his current trajectory and goes on to be, uh, you know, a big player for Arsenal, not just now, but in the next five or six seasons, then I think you have to say Gabriel Martinelli in response to that question. OK, uh, we're going to take a uh, very short pause just after this quick message. I just want to bring you guys up to speed uh, with the uh, Chronicles of Aguna membership proposition. If you head over uh, to our good friends over at anotherslice.com, so visit the site www.anotherslice.com. Uh, if you use the option at the top of the page to create an account, you can do so on the website and then once you've done that, you can subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast for £6 a month. Why is it £6? Because from that, we are making a donation to the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital on a monthly basis. I know it's a difficult time for a lot of people. The cost of living uh, has gone absolutely bonkers. So this is not compulsory. But if you want access to additional content, if you want to support the podcast and the Children's Hospital, to whom we're going to be donating money on a monthly basis, then please do check it out. The link is in the description below. You have to sign up via the website, not the app. Once you've signed up and subscribed via the website, you can then download the app log in with your credentials and you'll get access to our premium content. We promised you one a week and the next one is dropping tomorrow. In fact, after this, I'm heading down to the studio uh, to meet up with Boreham Wood defender Jamal Fifield, who was on uh, a piece of our content uh, a little while back that a lot of people were very positive about and a lot of people enjoyed. We're going to be recording two shows, one um, for the wider audience and one for our members. Uh, so that will be dropping tomorrow. We promised you one a week. We're going to continue delivering that. There may even be more. Uh, we're probably going to bring you an additional bonus one after the Bodo Glimp game on Thursday with myself and Mike Stavridge. So there's loads and loads uh, coming to you uh, for your money, obviously. But on top of that, you're supporting uh, a great cause as well as the podcast. And remember, the first 100 people to sign up, there's still a few uh, to go, will uh, get uh, put into two prize draws where you can win an Arsenal shirt of your choice. Uh, now, I know we've got lots of YouTube members at the moment as well, but we'd love you to transition over to another slice because we're going to give you more on this platform. It's a, a platform that is new. There were a couple of teething issues at the, at the beginning, but there are lots of new features coming. We're going to be able to gift people uh, memberships very soon as well. So we'll be running competitions and gifting people memberships. We'll be giving uh, people that are already signed up uh, a month here or there free as well. So there's loads of stuff coming your way. So I urge you, if you are a YouTube member, to make the transition over. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Right. We're going to take a very short pause. And when we come back, we're going to be talking Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and that leaked video. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. 
producing a balanced budget, not just for football. And saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. Let's dive into it then. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang um, was uh, already a, a contentious debate. You know, people uh, were talking about whether Arsenal were right to, to banish him the way they did back when that happened and having moved on uh, now. It seems like every time he scores a goal, that conversation comes up again. And he scored a few for Chelsea. He's been in decent form, actually, since making that move back from Barcelona, who deemed him surplus to requirements pretty quickly after signing him in the first place. Um, he's come back to the Premier League. He's now with Chelsea. And uh, just the other day, a video was leaked in which he was in a hotel room uh, discussing with some people, Mikel Arteta. He said he can't deal with big characters or big players. Some young players, they just don't say anything. Basically saying that Mikel Arteta has an issue with personalities, has an issue with big players, has an issue with people that challenge his authority. And, you know, <laughs> I kind of expected that to be Aubameyang's view based on how things went down and based on the fact that he was essentially banished and sent away and then moved on and... And, and it, basically, the way everything's unfolded, I don't think this was a surprise to hear these words coming out of Aubameyang's mouth. What I will say, in agreement with one of our listeners a little bit earlier on in the show, is that regardless of whether you agree with Aubameyang's comments or not, and, and I don't, you know, I don't. You know, he's gone and brought in Gabriel Jesus since then. You're telling me he's not a big player with a big personality, with a big ego. You know, he's brought in Zinchenko, a multiple Premier League winner as well. So I'm not buying this that, you know... It's because of Mikel Arteta's complex against having sort of big players in the dressing room who might question him, who might challenge his authority from time to time. I just don't think he likes being disrespected. I just don't think he likes people that are pulling in a different direction to be in his dressing room. But what I will say is this should never have been leaked. This is not cool. Somebody has stabbed Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the back. Now, I really went off of Bamiang at the end of his Arsenal tenure, um, career, the end of his Arsenal stay. I didn't like the way he was conducting himself. I didn't like the way things went. But this is not cool. This is a private conversation that Bamiang doesn't know is being filmed. And we all say things in private. We all say things in the heat of the moment. We all have opinions that we'd rather not share with the wider world because of the backlash, because of the attention that comes with that, because of whatever reason. You know, some things are private. And this conversation was private. And so for this to be leaked, I think is a bit shitty, basically. And and I do have some sympathy for Aubameyang in that sense. But I do think he's completely off the mark in what he is saying. And he has, of course, 
moved to address this video and um and sort of clarify uh what the circumstances were now i don't think this necessarily gets him off the hook but what it does do is is um is sort of you know i guess address it in some way uh he says uh, i'm aware there is a video out that was recorded just after i arrived at barcelona at the time i still had a lot of bad feelings in me arsenal are doing great things this season and i wish all my old guys well just not on november 6th of course when arsenal play uh chelsea and then he says now full focus on tomorrow so look listen i don't i don't care that you know, he has this opinion. It's obviously his side of the story. There's two sides to every story. And then the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But I do think that he's a bit unlucky that this has been leaked. And I think he should be furious, quite frankly, at the person that has leaked. This is a private conversation going on behind the scenes. Nigel says in the chat, he knows he was being recorded. How do you know that? How do you know that? He doesn't look at the camera once. He doesn't glance in that direction at any given point. So that suggests to me that, you know, maybe, um, you know, he was he was stitched up here a little bit. But again, that doesn't mean I agree with what he had to say. Um, Dignia says, but it reveals his true intentions and shows that Arteta was in the right to get rid. He clearly couldn't put his ego aside and be a team player. He chose beef with the manager and so he had to go. Yeah, maybe it does. Uh, maybe it does. Terence says, um, Oba will be good for Chelsea for 10 games. And then he'll do F all and the Chelsea fans will want him sold. Chan says, uh, waiting for the leaked video of him slating Barca for selling him. Yeah, I mean, he's got a, he can't have been happy with that. You know, Barcelona, let's go to the big Catalan club. Let's go and play in La Liga. Let's go and have a lovely... Um, you know, a, a lovely lifestyle and play football at a very high level only for them just months later to decide, actually, you're not really a part of our plans. Robert Lewandowski is available now, so uh, you can uh, you can jog on. I don't know. Um, Amira says, obviously, really shitty for a private conversation to come out, but it was filmed months ago. Wonder why it's come out now. That's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, um, look, I think I'm going to leave it there. As I mentioned to you guys, I'm going to head down to the studio in just a little while. I'm going to record a couple of episodes with my good friend, colleague at BBC Radio London and Boreham Wood defender, Jamal Fifield. We're going to be talking Arsenal, the amazing week that we've had. And of course, uh, we'll be bringing you a deep dive on one particular player, which will be our premium piece of content available to you all from tomorrow uh, i'll see you all next time be sure to leave a like on the video on your way out make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new and if you're listening on audio please do leave us a review until next time take care of yourselves as jerry springer would say and each other i'm martin tyler and you're listening to harry Simeon. <laughs> 